a pastor and a priest walk into a movie theater. I am Father Andrew Miller. And I'm Reverend Michelle Byerly. And this is A Pastor to Priest Walk Into a Movie Theater, a podcast about faith life and the silver screen. Today we'll be discussing the 2000 science fiction animated film Titan AE. For those of you who have not seen it, we will encourage you to see it for the sense that there might be spoilers. Uh, Wesley, I love you, man, but I'm also going to say this is probably not one of my favorite movies in terms of just... Uh, quality of story and so on but um it was definitely interesting to to watch and and get a perspective on and of course i remember it being on as a kid growing up um but this was actually the first time i'd ever seen it so it was a pretty movie even by today's standards of animation Mm, yes and 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 it was beautiful It, it it was very well animated i really enjoyed watching it for the visuals alone I thought that it was a wasted story because I thought that it could have gone much further, especially in its anthropology and its statements about what human beings are you know, supposed to do. I mean, the, the film starts off with this declaration, this poetic declaration about human nature, about every now and again, human beings discover this paradigm altering thing like fire. And it, it seems kind of anticlimactic that the only thing that humans discover is the ability to make planets it's sort of a ripoff of star trek 2 and 3 the genesis project the titan project the genesis project that that that's really my thinking about it and but i thought they could have done so much more i would have liked to have seen more about the different characters we get a little bit of their backgrounds but i don't feel like there's a ton of like starting here and moving to here by the end of the story agreed you know i i feel like there could have been a lot more fleshed out for the characters agreed the movie does start where the humans are being attacked and there's an attempt to wipe them out by this other species called the dredge if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and so there's an attempt to escape just to survive and then this researcher gives his son his ring as a tool to do that. And dr- so that's kind of the setup to the story. The dredge destroy Earth. <clears throat> Hence it is called AE, after Earth. It's human beings trying to struggle to survive as refugees after their home planet is destroyed. And that is a very, very powerful. And and indeed, the what one could say about the opening scene is that it was a powerfully well-filmed opening scene. It made me want to see a much better movie because I thought it was just so well done. And the idea of the destruction of, of, of the Earth is such a powerful thought. There's a scene from Star Trek Enterprise in which the Earth is destroyed in an alternate reality. And it, I, when I see that scene, I weep because it's there's a sense in which, well, we're human beings and the very word human of the Earth, Hebrew, we are uh, Adama, we are earthlings. That's that's the very nature of our species. We are tied to the earth. And mm-hmm. so what in a sense is humanity without earth? And uh, I say that full well knowing that if we are to survive in the coming billions of years, well, our survival depends upon us leaving earth because earth won't be around forever. Uh, yeah. The question is whether we're even going to survive the next century, let alone... Mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, and that's for me, as we're, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, boy, this gets into some really existential questions about, you know, humanity. What is humanity? What does it mean to be human? We see how the refugees, the diaspora, if you will, of humans are all affected differently. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The The son of the main character, we, we intersect his story as he's grown up. And for me, he has taken an approach of, he's just given up hope. Mm. You know, he's he's just, basically, he's in a refugee camp, if you will. And he's basically letting himself, and I don't mean to victim blame or anything like that, but he just receives abuse after abuse of you know oh you're just a human and and to me it's like there's so many dynamics of power without talking about the dynamics of power that we think about in on earth in how he is treated and how they talk to him and you can see just how worn down he feels by all of that there was a great social justice um comment that you caught uh fairly early on in noticing how uh, humans as refugees are treated as essentially second-class citizens of, of the galaxy. Uh, they're relegated to the back of food lines. Um, they're not liked by the people who host them, which I think is, is, is a very important story to be told because it does put us in the first world, insofar as it is possible for us to be put, um, in the role of being refugees as a reminder of the need to welcome with hospitality those who would be refugees, um, mm -hmm. which... And, For once you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Bingo. Indeed, if this is a kind of Moses story, it's kind of been likened to a kind of Moses or Exodus story, which is a story about refugees becoming slaves and then escaping slavery and returning home then it is important to demonstrate the social need for hospitality. So um, that's one way that people react. The way that Drew Barrymore's character and some of another group is that they've kind of become the nomadic rebels. Mm -hmm. If you will, they're kind of the ones who still hold on to hope that there's something out there for them as an identity. Um, in fact, I think I, if I remember correctly, she holds on to some of the stories that she was told. In her room, there are relics of Earth, including a baseball that, that bear witness to the stories of old Earth. So yeah, she holds out hope, but it's interesting that her hope is intimately tied to the past. And that whole mm -hmm. scene is fascinating. In, in, um, well, actually, I think that the scene that I was about to refer to comes later. It's in uh, New Bangkok, uh, the, the space station, New Bangkok, where uh, there's a community or a colony of humans and it's it, it, it's interesting how it, you see one character playing with a soccer ball and how he has this image of him standing in a grassy field when all he's ever known is bulkheads and metal and i think that speaks to to this idea of humans being of the earth and mm -hmm. uh, the, the need to hold on to relics of the Earth speaks to humans being of the Earth. The, their identity mm -hmm. is so intimately tied to this planet that is gone and cannot but be tied to the planet that is gone. You know, the question came to my mind, you know, if, if we had to evacuate Earth for, and could, it, what would be the things that I would grab that would quintessentially represent Earth, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, the thing that 
you, as we've been talking, you've kind of primed me to think about, I'd grab a jar of dirt. Yes. Yes. Put it in an altar somewhere in our new home. Mm -hmm. And and you're right that there's definitely this sense of, you know, we have the stories of the past that give us an identity. And yet part of what they are asked to do because they have been removed from that past in some ways is that they have to create a new identity. You know, they have to create this new place. Um, and so I think of that new heaven and new earth and the former things have passed away. And the question when you're doing that reconstruction, if you will, is what is that going to look like? Are we going to allow the same patterns to happen? Or have we fundamentally changed? That is a key question that the film did not address. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it, again, it all starts with this, like, Project Titan is this next step in human evolution. And it turns out, in my opinion, to be just a dud. So what we can make planets. That doesn't mean that we have the moral maturity to make planets. And yeah. and especially, I, I and Don Bluth is a Mormon, and I, I'm an ex-Mormon. Um, I guess I would have expected better. I think the other Mormon uh, filmmaker, um, Glenn Larson, did a lot better in the original series Battlestar Galactica, which talked about human evolution, not just in a technological sense, but in a moral sense and in a metaphysical sense. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of the payoff as I was watching Titan A that I was waiting for. That Project Titan was not just about building planets. It was about some great step forward in, in human evolution, which, and, and I will say there is a fair amount of Mormon theology in the film in that the destiny of human beings, the eschatological destiny of human beings in Mormon theology is that human beings create their own worlds, their own universes and populate them with their spirit children. They become gods in the same way as God the father is a God. Um, and I don't think there, it's an accident that Don Bluth, who made this film, is, is a Mormon. And, and I, I don't, therefore, think it's an accident that this story, which is pregnant with biblical imagery, uh, albeit biblical in imagery in space, um, has Mormon overtones. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back. You know, you were talking about creating new things. And part of me, you know, we talked a little bit about you know, where our world is right now in terms of, you know, climate change, things like that. And part of me is like, if we had the ability right now to colonize, say, Mars or beyond, I don't think we're ready. From a moral perspective. Yeah. From a moral perspective, we're not ready because I think we would just do the same thing. We would destroy the resources there. We would perpetuate the patterns that we have embedded in our culture and our identities of power over another, especially from a colonial European American perspective. You know, I, I will say other cultures do much better and we could learn a lot if we weren't so pigheaded. Which the film does not address. The, the yeah. film has a very positive anthropology. Humans are good. The dredge are bad. Although it's never really explained why the dredge are bad or why the dredge are so afraid of our ability to make planets. Right. I, I almost find myself wondering if perhaps a way to think uh, to, to, to watch the film is in an anti-watching of the film. 
to think of the dredge as the protagonists. And indeed, what is it? What was Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden? It was to attempt to seize godhood. Uh, You can read it that way. And the dredge, which are beings of pure energy, descend upon earth to prevent human beings from taking the fruit of the tree of life, right? They'd already taken the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that they might live forever in a sense. One wonders if the dredge are the god characters and that the destruction of the dredge at the end, which I saw as a full-fledged genocide, because I think that the idea was they killed them all. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they'd still be in danger on Bob's planet. By the way, the in a rather comical twist, the new Earth is called Bob's planet, um, <laughs> and uh, or planet Bob or whatever they said, which I thought was really funny. But um, but no, I, I, I in a sense that could represent a kind of Nietzschean human killing of God. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I want to switch gears just a little bit, and I want to talk about this from a perspective of a hero's journey because you have. Kale is the main character and he's just kind of, like I said, he's beat down. He just dealing with his reality. He would be content to just survive, but he gets this call Mm -hmm. to do something more, he discovers. And so he takes this hero's journey and there's even the refusal of the call. There's the acceptance. There's the betrayal that happens along the way. Yes, spoiler alert for a movie that's 20 years old. I think you can... I think we can allow a spoiler. And I thought that was interesting too. You know, really from from the Jesus Judas perspective, I thought that was really a great living into that because I think what happened is that the Judas character, he couldn't envision how this was going to work. Mm-hmm. And he lost faith. And that's kind of where I see Judas is like he is he's still blinded by his own ways of doing things, his own culture, his own expectations. And and so that's why he decides to basically hedge his bet with the people that apparently have the power. Judas keeps the money. Mm-hmm. And there's no indication in the Gospels. Well, there actually is indication in the Gospels. It's openly said that he was stealing money. Uh, but actually, I think that's kind of thrown in there. Uh, I, I, I honestly wonder if that's that's just kind of uh, thrown in there by later redactors to kind of explain how Judas, you know, went down the wrong path. But my, my thinking mm. is, is Judas was not dishonest with the money. He, he just kept the money. In other words, he was the practical guy. He was the guy who made it work. He was the, he's the guy who, you know, you probably, oh, we need a light bulb screwed in in the church. I, I know they didn't have churches. I'm trying to bring it into a modern context. Hey, we need a, a, a light bulb screw screwed in in the church let's uh give judas a call and have him come bring his ladder and and uh and come screw in the light bulb right you know he, he's the guy who gets things done and I, I get the impression that that jesus seemed very impractical to him at, at the end mm. that he couldn't figure out how this was going to work and so he wanted a messiah that would restore the kingdom of israel but it, this whole great reversal shit isn't going to restore the kingdom of israel so i'm out uh at least that's how i mm-hmm. i read judas but i will say that when we came to that moment in the movie where bill Pullman's character the captain betrays matt damon's character Cade, i was like oh come on because i thought it was so poorly done just all of the sudden he's betraying them and yet it's interesting as i was talking to wesley about that that was actually his favorite part of the film in fact he said that that was really the part of the film that kind of redeemed it for him because it was all so predictable and 
such an empty story until that moment. Um, and you see, you, and I would say a betrayal is predictable. I, I thought it was too, but but it, it's interesting that that you you mention how he does live into the Judas character very well. Like they they did do that well. The development of the characters and the the setting up of the plot is very very rough in this film in a bad way that it doesn't flow very well it's it's kind of staccato and it just seems so unnatural i guess you could say and yet i do think that sense of losing faith losing hope losing the ability to see how this is all going to work out to trust this is all going to work out that is a, a fair commentary on judas character I, I would like to talk to the concept of a new heaven and a new earth in the bible is somewhat ironic because i think it quite clear in the eschatology of the bible that the new heaven and the new earth are simply, well, uh, reboots, if I can use that term, of this heaven and earth. Because the image in the book of Revelations is of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Right? right. Ultimately, salvation comes to earth, and heaven is simply God's kingdom realized, or God's polity realized, on earth earth is not destroyed and we go to heaven earth is redeemed which... until we see heaven here on earth well yeah exactly. no until earth... it becomes heaven earth is redeemed in that it becomes heaven earth, yeah earth is redeemed in that when we live forever and in, in heaven we're living forever on earth uh a heavenly earth uh, what is sown in, in, in flesh is raised in spirit. What is sown in corruption is raised in incorruption, as St. Paul says. So I, I think that kind of means the symbolism of a new heaven and a new earth with Bob's planet is, well, kind of odd. And I guess that's my way of saying it doesn't really work. So what did we think of the relationship between Akima and Cade? Um... I, I'm trying to, so you'll have to forgive me if I'm still kind of remembering details and things, but I feel like I like that it didn't go like full romance story. Like they still, it does feel like they're still growing to get to know each other. There's still that they're, they're from different places and perspectives and they're still navigating what that looks like together in relationship. And so in that regard, I appreciated the way that, that she challenges him at certain points. I don't know. They seem as if they're a few steps away from marriage by the end of the film, which would be apropos for a Latter-day Saint. I, I thought the chemistry between those two characters was kind of forced. Mm, fair enough. That's my thing about so many movies is they feel like there has to be a love interest. And and to be fair, when you're creating a new Earth, reproduction is an important component. Mm-hmm. You know, and you and you kind of have to figure out both genetically but also morally how you navigate that mm -hmm. which is another thing the film missed they didn't discuss uh optimum you know, reproductive mathematics or anything like that mm -hmm. so. or even like who do you prioritize making sure gets off the planet to repopulate it, there's none of those things that it addresses as far as the logistics of all of that i feel like in general there's we don't have as much to say about this film as we do about other films, because I don't think there's a lot to say about this film. It's pretty upfront and open about what it's about, um, which is odd because I think that's odd for Don Bluth, who made my absolute favorite 
uh, children's movie, The Land Before Time, which I think mm-hmm. is, is just so pregnant with, me, with theological meaning in, in so many ways. And I, I think this film really kind of tried too hard. It, it was just all out in the open. You, you, you know what this is about. It's obvious and it's, there's really not a lot of there there. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it's really almost too simplistic mm-hmm. in a way. Um, I will also say I did some research on this and basically this kind of ended his, the work that he, the, it ended the studio, the um, the Fox movies or whatever. They did Anastasia and they did this one. And then after that, they kind of sold off to Sky Blue or another company. And basically they didn't do anything because this one tanked so much. Yeah. it. I love Don Bluth, and uh, he's done a cross section of some of the best children's films ever. But uh, yeah, yeah, this was, uh, yeah, not one of his better moments. So, if you were preaching a sermon on this, what would the takeaway be for the congregation? Ooh, um, I'd probably talk about identity, even when it feels like that thing that you have based your identity on is gone. Mm. Um, holding on to who you are, even in the midst of those challenges, mm. I yeah. think is where I would go. Probably say something about new heaven and new earth. Mm. Um, yeah. And the idea of humans being earthlings from the earth. In fact, that's actually a pun in the book of Genesis, the uh, Hebrew in, 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 in the Old Testament often uh, is very punny. I, I don't remember how it sounds in, in Hebrew, but it's an earthling from the earth. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of a, the, there is a sense in which I feel, especially in, in contemporary civilization that we've, quote, so-called, that we've kind of forgotten our roots in the earth. Mm-hmm. We've abstracted ourselves from the soil, which allows us to better exploit it. Agreed. So... What movie are we watching next? Well, next, a pastor and a priest will go into a comedy club and we'll be watching another pick from our editor, Wesley, because it's his turn to pick the comedian. And it'll be Steve Hofstadter's Ginger Kid. I've never seen it. Um, I This would be my... I, it's a shame for a, a stand-up comedy fan to admit this. I've not yet seen any of Steve Hofstadter. So I look forward to this. Yeah, be a new one for me mm-hmm. as well. So... Um, We are so grateful that you have joined us for our discussion today of Titan AE. And we just want to thank you for being part of our network and our journey. We are kind of in a moment now that we've been doing this for a while and life is happening. We're negotiating and navigating what that looks like for us. And so we thank you for just sticking in there with us as we do that work and know that we could not do it without you. If you are a patron on Patreon or are interested in being able to do that, um, if you are engaging in our community forums and discussions, or even just sharing episodes when they come out, um, all of those ways are ways that you can support us, and we are so thankful for it. And we will see you next time on A Pastor and a Priest Walk Into a Movie Theater. I don't have any lines from the film, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs>